Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and hello once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and it is another week of American Tennis. And folks, I've been off a couple weeks as our schedule got too hot and heavy and too hectic. And it was just had me running ragged, and I apologize, but we are back now every Wednesday at noon on the Yellow Ball Network. But, folks, you can get my radio show all five years. Do you believe now we'll, we'll be completing five years? We're going into our sixth year of American Tennis Radio. And uh, you can get all of them at chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, Chuck Creasy. .net, you can get my writings, my books, and uh, other things, and we've got some camps coming up this summer, and folks, this is going to be my last summer after 41 summers of doing camps, so if you want to go to my camps, sign up, it'll be my last summer I'm going to do, and I'll tell you much more about that, I'm trying to reinvent a few things for the summertime so I can keep the ball rolling, but uh, welcome to the show today, and we've got a A great guest, uh, once again, uh, Coach Randy Blumendahl, and I've already seen him on the line here. I'm going to tune him in here in a second, but listen, folks, um, the reason you go to these uh, radio shows, it's much more than just information. We hope that we give you uh, the wisdom of the years and the ages and hear from the people who have been out there, and if you are a parent it is priceless to know what your youngster is coming into and what they're going up against. And some of the things that you just need to know to save a little bit of time. I know, look, I've been in tennis for 47 years, but I'm learning a heck of a lot about baseball, and I am scrambling for my son to try to figure out how to not save time or cut corners, but to know the right way to do it and the right way to go about it. And Most of that has to do with just an appreciation for the sport that you need to have. Um, We have the best person we could ever have on there. Coach Blumendahl 
He's coached for over 30 years now, 20 years in the college arena. Uh, actually, more than that, I think it's 23 years in the college arena. He also has been out there coaching a lot of, uh, you know, independent the pros and the other players, but and, and some junior players. But he has a great, great uh, vision of what needs to happen, what has happened. And I've often, as I'm trying to get our college game to a place where it is viable once more and it is relevant once more in trying to, uh, and I know other coaches are trying to do that and it's not a slam on anybody else, but I talked this morning to a college coach and I said, let me tell you the Randy Blumendahl um, way that we could do things and my golly, it would be it would be a fantastic thing. And for high schools out there, we've got high schools struggling, but I believe out in Texas might be the best system ever. And uh, it, it actually, when I interviewed uh, Coach John Peterson, who was at Tyler, Texas for years, he said, well, that's uh, what Coach Blumadol brought up is the way we do it out here in Texas. And our, the sport's vibrant and we have a lot of great things going on, but uh, we've got a great person here today, and let me bring him on here because I know, Coach Blumendahl, your time is precious, and I just thank you so much for having you on. But our program today I put on, Coach, is the brilliance of the sport of tennis. So much more. It's so much more than just a game. And then the intro was the depth of the sport of tennis is much more than just a game. It's the greatest sport in the world because of the multiple opportunities for learning at many levels that are deeper than other sports. And uh, with that, uh, Coach, welcome to the show once again. To be on, and and, uh, I am always very inspired by the fact that you are are still teaching and, and still have the passion that you've had for 40 years now, so it's my pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Well, Coach, um, again, you know, when I set up the program today and I ask you to come on, I'm so irritated by what's going on in the dumbing down of our sport, but I, nobody wants to listen to a show that says how we're dumbing this down and the wrong things we're doing. I, I want to supply solutions and you're the best out there that I know about the solutions. Your mind is innovative. You you're, you have a way of articulating ideas that we're all thinking about. And then you have the courage to say the things that everyone wants to be able to say. But, you know, older people like me, Coach, are, are scared. No, that no, no, they're not scared. They're tired of it all. You can, I can't tell you how many 60-sums that just said, look, I'm worn out from it. They're not going to listen to us. I want to go play golf. I want to go do this. And then the younger coaches are scared, and they just want to fit in. I've had some experiences, and I just wanted to say, wow, buddy. I said, you're 27 now. Don't think that when you're 37 you're going to wake up one day and say, wow, now I'll get strong and speak out and speak what I want to. You know, it's it's like uh, if you become a brown noser at a young age and a boat rider at a young age, it's not like you get out of the boat very easily once you get the golden handcuffs on. And a lot of our middle-aged people have the golden handcuffs on. But everybody is asking the same thing. What in the world are they going to? They got this coin phrase, 
net generation or what, whatever the heck it is, and they're revamping our sport. But I didn't want to be negative. I wanted to bring about the brilliance of the game, what it teaches, what we should be learning, those things that we are learning, and give parents some advice on what they should be looking for and then sort of the courage to just stand up and tell these tournament directors, look, we didn't fly all the way to California here to play one game, no ad sets and things. So, Coach, I'm going to open it up with that. That's, that's, that's a lot. But um, go ahead and talk about that if, if you can. Uh, and, and, you know, I know you've got a few notes together there, so I'm going to turn it over to you for a few minutes. Um, you know, one thing that we've been talking about, I know it's these are just, you know, there's a whole ideology going on behind the scenes. There's a whole thought process that that people are probably not aware of. And 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 uh, you know, is it is a bad leader? Like we're always trying to figure out. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of bad decisions going on. But here's where it gets very personal to me, and I think everyone that really cares about these young people that are that you know, play with, with their hearts and, and do everything they can to find their greatness. Because ultimately, if they do that, regardless of the discipline that they choose in life after they're finished with tennis, they're going to keep pursuing the same thing. So that that is it, – it, it hurts me beyond belief to watch people make decisions that – that makes it where these kids cannot search that out. They cannot find their greatness because there's no more avenues to do that in tennis. Recently, I, I've been traveling at uh, ITFs, and you know, like you mentioned, I'm out here at the Easter Bowl right now, and uh, um, they changed a rule, you know, in the name of experimentation. And what, you know, that people ought to be up in arms about that because they, they don't understand the depths of what that actually means. Number one, just from a, a practical standpoint, the parents are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in development to get their kids at this level. And to to take away something that's going to, they don't understand, it's going to stop inspiring the kids to chase greatness because there's too much randomness that goes on. So they, 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 they did the let rule, you know, no reason, rhyme or reason. They said they're experimenting to see how it explain goes. Explain what that tennis. is. The coach explained the let rule for so, those so the that are out rule there. In tennis, the let rule in tennis, if, if, you, if the ball touches the net and it goes into the box, you, you play that serve over. So the, the, the returner and the server, you know, it's not a – not a random shot that they're playing off of. They 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 get to you know they get the ball over the net. It goes in the box. They play it out. Um, if it touches the net, it goes in. It's a let. So now they took that away. So if it hits the net, lands in the box, it could just trickle over. You think, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal. People work on their serves for thousands and thousands of hours, and People work on their t- returns for thousands and thousands of hours, and if you just a couple of big points, you take away those skills, you think, oh, it's not a big thing. A lot of what happens at this level, the next level, and the next level, you're talking two or three points a set. I mean, the margins get slimmer and slimmer. So when you start throwing in a random thing, 
yeah, I mean, uh, of course there's opportunity for people that are trying to break through. And the travesty is the ones that get to break through that haven't done the work, it it lowers the bar of what everybody else is thinking because they they think, hey, maybe that's what I have to do to, to chase greatness or become the best version of who I am. So it takes away there? a lot of what we're doing. Coach, could I jump in a second? So, folks, what he's talking about here, and I just want to sort of paraphrase, Coach, but the changing of the the, the dynamic of our sport is happening right as we speak. And if you've heard me speak, I've been outraged for now six or seven years. Uh, Six years ago, I got on a national committee, Coach, because just because of the 10-point tiebreaker and that it provided random – Results. You you would have good players losing for no other reason than the other player tanked the second set after winning the first set and then won a tiebreaker in different things. I fought for that. Then the NOAD scoring in college is just outrageous. I mean, and we, I've been through that, folks, where uh, really the game points worth eight. It's an eight-point swing. Uh, the kids don't have to learn conversions three in a row. It takes away fitness. It takes away all these things. But the randomness, Coach, you're saying <clears throat> what happens with the randomness? They're promoting randomness. But here's the statement. In tennis, a small skill set, a small skill set uh, that is better then the other player becomes a big advantage as the match goes on. In other words, it took me five months to learn. I'm a junior player to learn my slice backhand. Well, that skill set of that slice backhand is a small advantage. It's a small skill set that becomes a big advantage as the match wears on. And most tennis matches are one in the second hour, and the great ones are one in the third hour. So, um, that, Coach, elaborate on that. If I, if I just wanted to make sure our listeners understood so, what was going on, but they're promoting randomness. Whenever you drop the bar of excellence, in other words, you get participation grades or you lower a bar, what you do is you randomly – are picking winners, and instead of the kids searching and working and striving to be winners. So go on from there, Coach. Yes, and, and, and it, it needs to be incentive-based, not negative pressure to get to that point because the negative pressure will only get the kid to where he complies, and no greatness comes out of compliance. It comes from commitment and inspiration. So – the, the the thing that about right now is how many Grand Slam champions in the past do we not feel good about? Is there anybody we're like, whoa, that that is not somebody that inspires me in this sport? It just, I mean, I, I think over and over again we're all inspired by that. But what they had to do to get to that point, if you take that away, it that's going to change the whole dynamic of the way people dream about what they need to do, what inspires them or what they need to do. And that will take away, believe it or not, that's going to take away what people consider as talent because it's, it's a lot more than what you're born with. 
And that's what people have to come to the reality of. It's more than what they're born with. Um, it, them finding their greatness, and then, yes, there's certain things that they have an aptitude for because they were born with it. Yeah, that matters. But you'll never tap into that if the bar is not at a certain level. And and that person is not stretched, and they don't have to do it through adversity and embracing the adversity. So looking back at what happened in the past does matter. It, it matters tremendously in what's happening right now. I read an article recently that, that somebody that has opposed tennis for 40 years or opposed men's tennis for 40 years, they, I think they love it on the other side, it wants men's tennis to go from three out of five to two out of three sets. That's all right, grand... Coach, that's Billy Jean. No, 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 we can talk. That's Billy Jean King. It's written. How, it's how public information. Is, but it's Billy Jean King. To listen to that when that is a person that has competed against men's tennis. Or why would, in any other discipline, why would it be acceptable to listen to somebody that has competed against the very thing that is going to make your sport great, why would it be okay? Why would that be okay? And I I don't understand where we're going with that other than there's an agenda behind the scenes. And where it gets personal with me is you are not allowing young men and women to become great. When you keep lowering the bar, for your own personal agendas, you're not allowing these kids to become great. And we have a sport that was very, I mean, it was perfect the way it was. And and the, I've heard in the name of volleyball, hey, volleyball is way more. Team sports have a different dynamic. The problem solving, that kids become great in those sports as well, but it's different. It's different in individual sports. There's a reason why finance world people are searching out tennis players there's a reason why these people in the past have become leaders of uh, and ceos of these big companies there's a reason why these individual sports there's, it, you know, there's a lot more to it it takes you it tears you down to a place where you have to make decisions to become great within yourself and that's what makes it all great and if you take that away it's not going to be any different than when you know, we were in third grade, and they handed us an instrument, the French horn, and said, hey, coach, go out, Coach Creasy, go out and uh, play this for three months and see if you love it or not. And you did it for like 30 minutes, and you're like, okay, that was kind of neat, and then you set it down. I mean, I mean, every after-school activity, we, we've all been through it. We've been exposed to it. We've participated in it. Did it change our lives? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So you know, you, we're, we're talking about something that is life-changing and in the name of an experimentation and the pursuit to, I guess, make more money or control the money, we're, we're manipulating our youth. That, that, that's where it's personal, and um, I don't understand it on any level other than we all need to be outraged by this. And if you want to be outraged by the amount of money you're spending on it, and then they're doing that, I don't, but, uh, you know, and, and look at the wisdom. All of the older coaches are saying the same things. So it's not like the players like it. It's not like the coaches that have skin in the game like this. This is coming from a different source. 
and that's what we need to that's that's what we need to identify and we need I, I think we need to be up in arms about it the 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 parents that are involved in this they you know and they say oh it's only for a short period of time these kids only have a short period of time they're only in junior tennis for a short period of time and then you've done it to college tennis to the point where i'm like well, I don't even know. I think it might be a point of no return, and I know I don't want that. You don't want that. We also know if we we change things tomorrow and we got it back to where it needed to be, yeah, we completely changed the dynamic. So um, the, the, that's where it becomes personal, Coach, and, and I, you know, I have a hard time with, with all that. And, and somebody to look me in the eye and say we're experimenting for pro tennis, shame on them. Shame on them, and whoever came up with this, I think they should step forward. I think they should step forward. It would be great to interview the person that came up with this. We know, I mean, I I think we all know the reasons, but I think the parents need to hear it. They shouldn't be like, uh, most parents came to this tournament, these tournaments, these ITFs this year, and didn't even know about the rule change. You think, oh, it's not that big a deal. The 10-point tiebreakers, same thing. The no-ad scoring the same thing if you don't think there's a separation in how hard you work by the deuce ads the the winning by two rather than randomness of winning by one our sport is not built like that and it it won't be and it will take away the very fabric that makes it great coach coach the obvious i've got about three questions here i want to break them down but the first one is well, I mean, I'm going to make a statement. We're going to come back and discuss who might be the deep state of tennis, who is doing this. But we need to ask, first of all, why they might be doing this. Why comes first? But let me throw out there to everyone listening, you've heard me before say, in any endeavor, you have four scenarios, good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads. You know, I preach to my kids, it's not what happens to you, it's what happens inside of you. And the harder that things are, the more you learn. I've been reading for my two and a half times now, the talent code, and everything in the talent code is brilliant. It is a brilliant book, folks. Go out and buy it. Stephen Coyle, CEO, I think it's Daniel Coyle, maybe. Hang on. I got the book. Daniel Coyle. It's Daniel yeah. Coyle. Daniel Coyle. <laughs> The talent code, but everything is about when it's hard to learn, it you have deep learning, and uh, they they even make reference, coach, that in like Japan, the teachers often will bring the wrong answers to the kids to make the kids struggle to try to go deeper and figure things out, and they said American teachers and coaches act like waiters in a restaurant that bring the solutions to you at your whim, and the kids simply are just digging up. Now, with that deep state, um, my question is, they are, with what they're doing, they're preventing our cream from rising to the top. They don't want the cream to rise. I think we would both suggest or say that it's absolutely true that when you make things easy to pick up like this, cream will not rise to the top you know it, it's uh you have a conglomeration of average and tweeners 
But let me ask the coach, why are they doing this? Why? Well, I think that's a that's a, a great question. It's something we've been talking about a lot. Um, you know, we've both discussed, um, you know, if it's in the name of gambling, because if it is, I mean, I don't, you know, then it gets to a whole nother level of personal with all of us. And I think one thing everybody has to understand is, I think we all feel like we're teachers first. We're teachers first. Uh, tennis is, is just our vehicle for teaching. And when we lose track of that and, you know, maybe some of this stuff becomes okay, it is not okay when we're trying to educate these young uh, boys and girls. So it, is it gambling? Because if it is, I, I you know, they, they, I don't think – I mean, we we could talk about how these people should be punished, but wow, I mean, you know, it's so so it's more random. People can make more more money off the sport. No, no shame on and we, hey, uh, um, you know, can I go there a second for for years? Yeah, go ahead, coach. Coach. Can I go there a second and just take that one thing? Gambling, I covered it, folks, in in, in January thirty first. uh, show, but but folks, what happens is, uh, the, and you can go to ITF gambling, and uh, you can dig up and the guy who's head of the ITF, his name, and go, and it says that seventy million dollars transferred from uh, the gambling industry to the ITF, and what were they selling? Well, they were selling the live streaming, the streaming. Scoring Pat Cash, the quote I believe one of my friends gave me was Pat Cash says, this live streaming is like putting drug vending machines in, in our playgrounds for our kids. But uh, that's pretty extreme, but he might, might have yep. a point there uh, if it's gambling money. And, and here is the connection, folks, with the gambling money. Let me just connect the dot, you might ask. But they want randomness in the pros. When there's randomness in the pros, the house wins more. All right, so how do you get randomness in the pros? The way you get randomness in the pros, you make, you've got to have shorter events. You've got to have, you've got to have shorter scoring, shorter sets. You've got to have no ad scoring. You've got to have four-game sets. You've got to have 10-point tiebreakers. This allows random results, and it keeps the best players from winning. Like, they don't want Federer winning all the time, basically, or Nadal winning all the time, or Serena, or whoever it is winning all the time. So how do you do that? My contention is they they figured out if they got college first, and they pushed this random scoring into college. Not only gambling. No, no. Here, let me let me explain here. That and now they're pushing it into the juniors, saying, "Well, you're just playing the college system, coach. You've been coaching." It's the junior sum, and they're saying, oh, the college system, so let's just play one no-ad set. Well, four or five years from now, these kids will all be into the pros, four or five years from now. And when they go into the pros, they will be used to that. They will be bled in, and nobody is going to argue. But they are pushing this. And, Coach, the reason I believe there is a deep state, they would not have pushed so hard for something so I know evil. Can I say evil? If it so dismantling to our sport of 145 years 
145 years, we have traditions here. But to disrupt all the traditions for this, if it's absolutely true, the shame is it's beyond belief. It makes me vomit. It's disgusting. And think, if it's that. think and about the last, sports. And coach, think about the sports that have went this route. And what's the next thing that happens? So there's no inspiration and, and there's pressure to win. So what's the next thing that happens? Cheating. Cheating. Mass yeah. cheating in everything you do. And the sports that have fought it, have, have, they've, they've had the cheaters, but they've dealt with them. They've dealt with them, and because their sport, was, they, they became very pure in the way they looked at their sport. They would not allow it to go in that direction. The ones that wouldn't, the ones that started wavering and wanted to be more random and make more money, the, the cheating took over. No inspiration. They lost their fan base. The sport went from great to nothing. And we can talk about those sports, but that's the direction tennis is heading if they don't watch out. And, and, and Coach, um, the, to those coaches that are listen, listening out there, um, we, we all believe there's some uh, great Yoda, Yoda behind the curtain that's making these decisions that all wise, all knowing, that's making these, we go, whoa, well, I guess everybody's doing this. And that's completely wrong. That's not happening. They, I go back to they would not have pushed this on us. I document everything. We, I have 11, actually 13 different times that's been voted against you know, or people have stood up against it at, at, a, at a different forum, and they pushed it through anyway in the college game. And the coaches who were fought in the college game, let me put it this. I'm not saying those coaches did anything slippery. But I am saying those coaches know that it promotes randomness. They wanted randomness promoted. And they probably looked at it as a quick elevator toward the top floor instead of the stair steps and the hard steps that you have to take in order to learn this game. So, uh, you know, with, with that, we, there's a lot of information there. Uh, but why else might they be doing it against so much pushback? So the deep state out there, let's um, – okay, Coach, so why are they doing it, the gambling money? Why else might they be doing it? Uh, you have inexperienced leaders that, that haven't made those steps that you're talking about. All the if you interview all the Grand Slam champions, you interview all the old coaches, and you put those guys in those positions, they don't make those decisions. You put people in place that have been able to take shortcuts to advance their careers, been able to cheat to get to the top. What are they going to do? They're going to they're going to find ways to do the same thing to stay there. And and uh, you know they'll they'll do whatever they can to keep their jobs. So that's where the bad decisions come in, and that's just not tennis. That's going on. We we can talk about that on in almost every every form of you know, it's it's going on definitely going on in almost every bureaucracy. So how do we prevent this from happening? I think that's what's important. We have to get back to the base of of integrity and character, and 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 those people are the ones that need to rise up. They're the ones that we need to elevate. 
And and if we don't hold that in front of everything else, then then these decisions are continually going to be made. But what kills me is it's being made and you're taking down. We've always said, well, we've got this next great generation of kids. If we don't do the right things with these kids, they are they are great. If we don't do the right things with them, shame on us because we won't have the next great generation. Uh, absolutely. So let's talk about the brilliance of the game and, and uh, some of those things. I want to I make sure we're not all just slamming things. But could I start by saying good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads. Good goods, coaches. I learned very early in tennis, and I don't want to just speak about myself, but I learned at the park, didn't have any lessons. And frankly, I watched my brother play for a while and other people. The whole summer I sat there saying, this is a sissy game. Oh, this is sissy. This, Oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm going to play football and basketball. Until the day I went out on the court, and from the first ball I hit, I go, whoa, wait a minute. I never will forget I was at Clemson, and I remember the great – William Perry, I remember that he was the fridge. And some of those football players came down one day. I was a guy named, uh, uh, gosh, the great, and I wish you would listen to my program, the great Jeff Sewell. <laughs> Sewell was a football player, and he came down to play tennis, and he fell in love with the game because of how hard it was. But you took these great athletes out there, and they were atrocious at first at this game, as I was when I first started but hard to pick up, became extremely hard to put down. So I learned that I had to either do, get good ba- I had to get good bats before I got good goods. In other words, I had to give my best and learn everything, and I had to lose a lot. And that enticed me to finally, when I did win, it was a big, big deal. And uh, then, but however, if I had been given an easy route and gotten to win a trophy when I first started, had a bad good. I don't see that bad, bad, bad good going anywhere except becoming a bad, bad. Cheating to win, having something easy given to you, uh, getting paid for a job you didn't do, uh, any of these things that are bad goods. Winning the lottery, bad goods turn to bad, bads because they have no value. And I think that the premise, Coach J.P. Weber said, if we could just separate participation tennis from competitive tennis, we might have an answer to it all. And I think that's where probably the division has a lot of the participation people believe they are competitive and then they're playing these formats and they get, I've seen people get gold balls now that have no right in getting a gold ball in our hall of fames. I see people getting into hall of fames. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was being able to get in a few Hall of Fames. You worked your whole life. I worked 47 years in sport. You get in a Hall of Fame, it's it's an unbelievable thing until somebody gets in that was an administrator who never was coached or, you know, or they did something, they didn't do anything to earn their weight. You know, I mean, it, it'd be like, could I be a doctor? Could I go in an operating room and say, listen, I was in an operating room, so I get the title of doctor? That's what we've done with that. Those are bad goods. So the point is, can you point out some of the things that are brilliant about our game? And let's go from there. And then we want to try to give a little bit of a solution before we run out of time 
and ask the people where, you know, what they could ask the people to question where, where do they go from there? Okay. So, well, there, the, the sport is, is, you know, the, the, all right, the sport is, is the toughest sport in the world. I mean, I, I, I think there's a few others that are, that are close, but if you can master tennis, you can master almost anything that will come your way. And, and it, it challenges you to come up with the problem-solving skills that will help you advance in almost everything you do the rest of your life. But from a physical standpoint, I, it, it's a skill sport. It takes a tremendous amount of skill, the agility that it takes, and then the endurance it takes is is up there with almost I, – I can't think of another sport. I mean, maybe boxing. But you know the the skill that it takes to to hit the ball is is you know equivalent to you know the thousands of reps would be equivalent to a golf, but with the agility of a basketball player, endurance of a distance runner. So very difficult from a physical standpoint. From a mental standpoint, you cannot call timeouts. So far, I mean they're trying to manipulate that as well. You can't call timeouts. You can't. You know, you have to go out and you have to, within a fair time frame, you have to figure out how to do things. Um, so problem solving. Problem solving is amazing. And, and coach can't call timeout and sit you on the bench and let you think through it. Or you have to do it while you're under a lot of emotional stress out on the court. So the, the mental side is, in, and then the emotional side, what we were just talking, the way you have to prepare for every individual sport is on a much higher level. If you have a bad day in a team sport, you sit down and you figure out how to prepare yourself as other people get to carry the ball that day. In, in tennis, you get beat. You lose. And then you carry that with you to a certain extent and that becomes either the fuel that drives you or it becomes the very thing that stops you from advancing any further, but you have to toughen up and figure out how to do that. So so tennis is an un, in, in the Grand Slam champions over the years. I mean, there's an admiration for, for those uh, players that not, like no other sport. And I remember early on watching those great champions going, just like you said, I'm like, I'm not going to play tennis. I'm playing football or basketball. Like, I want to play a real sport. And then I watched Wimbledon, and I watched the U.S. Open. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, something to this. Take away that, and you think you've been talking about how to attract athletes in our sport. You think you're going to attract athletes that way? Absolutely not. I don't care what kind of agenda you have to try to give opportunities to great athletes. They're not going to be inspired enough to do what you have to do in the sport to become great. Explain, Coach. That's a big statement you just made. You're saying we will never inspire the great athletes they hope to have to play this sport. Correct? Explain. You can't give it. To them, you have to create an environment where it's incentive-based, where they want to go get it. And that was the, the point that me and you decided for it and how we fell in love with it. 
because had it not been through that, we would have never played. We would have kept working on our jump shot, or I would have kept working on catching passes or my 40 time. You know, it, I wasn't going to play tennis. I mean, unless I saw those those people that I was like, whoa, I, I, I that's inspiring. What they're doing is unbelievable. And in other sports, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to, because there's brilliance with every sport, but other sports, especially the individual ones, didn't quite catch my attention on that level. I didn't feel like that. And with tennis, I did. And if you take that away, which I think we have in the U.S., I mean, I, no, you know, I'm not trying to, but, you know, unfortunately, we, we just don't have that right now. We did a generation ago. And we've, we've, you know, we have a whole nother show to talk about why that happened, but um, how do you recreate that? I mean, you have to start with something, but we have to find a way to inspire people to want to do it. We have to find a way to inspire them. And if we eliminate all our competition simply through economics and then, yeah, I mean, the opportunities looks not inspiring enough for those players to really go after and become Grand Slam champions unless, Coach, you dumb down the uh, what you have to do to do that, play two out of three no-add sets, and then maybe it's random enough, but nobody from a spectator standpoint is going to be inspired to watch that sport. I mean, it will start slowly fading away just like boxing did over the last 20 years. Uh, you know, that boxing is a good example. I asked a group of coaches at a coaches meeting, <clears throat> and this has been 10 years ago uh, when I was at Clemson still, and we were at a coaches meeting. I said, okay, guys, let's see what's happening to sports. Is, can anybody in here name the heavyweight champion of the world right now? And, whoa, I'm saying every coach, none of those coaches in that room knew and finally, the baseball coach, is it Klitschko? Is it the, the Russian guy? Now, can you imagine us growing up? Do you remember? I remember Floyd Patterson. I remember, of course, Sonny Liston when Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at that point, he beat he beat Sonny Liston. We remember. We remember Joe Frazier. I remember where I was the night that Frazier and Muhammad Ali fought. That third five, I remember exactly where I was. It was such a big deal. And now, because they've set the marketeers loose on the sport, nobody watches boxing. I am, you know, whatever that, uh, you know, full contact, whatever that thing is, that hybrid. So arena tennis, Coach, I've been calling it arena tennis. Uh, I've been calling these no-ad stuff snowflake tennis. I've been calling it fake tennis. Basically, we need need to label it out there, folks. It's not real tennis. It's fake tennis. It's arena tennis or snowflake tennis, maybe. But, uh, you know, Coach, I, I, I got to so many, a couple more questions, but I want to tell you the other day, my son's in the baseball. And, um, you know, he, my daughter went and gave a little talk, and she did it did it on Hank Aaron and she said he's the guy that is the home run king of all time and never said a word about what was the other guy that took Mark McGuire and what was that uh, what was the other guy uh, hey you know why it doesn't matter because baseball dealt with the cheaters all right they weren't yeah. going to 
allow the people that didn't cheat to be on the same list as the people that cheated. And some of those players I was at the time I was very inspired by, but when I found out they made the shortcuts, and that's the whole point. That's the whole point. And if we don't deal with that, and that's what's going on right now with our sport, then we're going to be in the same boat. You can't even remember his name, Barry Bonds. No, no, you can't Barry, remember Barry Bonds. Hey, hey, no, folks, folks, think about it. I couldn't remember Barry Bonds. I couldn't remember it because he cheated. Or if, you know, if he didn't, he didn't. But the bottom line on the thing is it's good. If, if he didn't, that sure looked like a good opportunity. So I'm not a – you know, we, we don't know, but – Daggone it, Coach. That's exactly – we lost respect for boxing. For a while we lost – all I can remember, you know, uh, is remember and that was over box, Ken Griffey that was Jr. Good. Look, Ken Griffey that's Jr. was the be- – go ahead, Coach. Well, that wasn't the boxers. That was the administrators. That was the people running the sport. That's why we lost the sport because they – and, you know, they did things that they shouldn't have done, you know, and, and eventually we didn't believe that the best got to the top, so we stopped watching, and then when we stopped watching, people stopped training as hard as they probably needed to, and we saw a lot less greatness in the last 20 years in that sport than what we saw the 20 years before. Wow, you just connected the dots for us. So when we don't allow the ones to get to the top that really earned it, we're not going to respect them as much, just like not respecting Hall of Fame that put just administrators in and things. And then what will happen when you give participation trophies, people don't really respect the trophy. When you give titles to people through no ad or 10-point breakers or this, it doesn't really count as much. So we're not even going to respect those people. So, therefore, the connection is, is you're right. You know, we we'll, we won't tra- – people don't train as hard. They'll look for a gimmick to do it. It'll be an after-school activity. And there you go. It's not a big deal anymore. So <laughs> that's, that's the dumbing down. So where do we go from here, Coach? What do we do? Well, we we have we have to all get together, and we have to fight to put people with integrity, character, in enough skin in the game where they've had to go through all this adversity we're talking about that they'll understand the right decisions to make when they get in leadership positions. And we have to demand that those are the people that are going to lead us. We have to demand that. If we if we don't, this is going to continue to happen. You know, um, I uh, it, it's, it's awful, but um, – We've got to get people together uh, because we aren't promoting the right people forward, are we? We're promoting, uh, you know, the quick saying is number ones will hire number ones, but twos hire threes and fours. And um, we're, we've got a lot of twos and threes and fours running, uh, guiding the ship, right? And, and um, yep. we, need, we need a change there. What can the average people do? If you're a parent out there, tell the parents what they need to do and tell the players what they need to do. They need to speak up. They need to talk to every one of these administrators. They need to keep writing, and they need to to get together. They have to get together, and they have to make awareness enough to where it becomes very uncomfortable and then demand that, 
certain things take place. Now, the the what what they can see is is they know what it costs. They know whether their kid is advancing. They know whether the sport is helping their their uh, young boys and girls out. And you know there won't be another. There won't continue to be another generation, another generation to make those sacrifices for nothing. So the experience has got to be not just average. They have to all have good experience. I don't mean a good experience like let's get donuts and have a great event. I mean they have to have a good experience of there was value to what happened over the last 10 or 15 years or 20 years or however long that journey will be for them. And if they don't, you know, if they consistently don't tell that story, we're in a very bad place. And and then they have to demand that whatever is tough has to happen with the sport. And that that comes back to why they got in the sport, what we're, how we're attracting these kids to get into the sport. Well, that, that, uh, that, that's what we have to do. And, again, if you're older, look, we need your wisdom. We need you to stand up and speak out and stick up for the game. And don't ever say, look, I've done this long enough. This, this is important. This is important. It's it's uh, like having the right schooling for our children, like having the right experiences, you know, the people in our churches, the right people in all of this is part of our fabric of learning. You know, tennis is much, much more than just a game. If you're middle-aged, be very careful. The golden handcuffs will soon be around your neck. You know, you, you really, it's you better make sure that you, it's a fine line. And I know that you're nervous about speaking up out there. I know that you're afraid. I always told Coach J.P. Weber, I remember when he started getting his um, We Coach Tennis uh, thing out there, he was so afraid that some of those southern people or national USTA people, I said, they're not going to promote you anyway. Folks, the USTA is not going to be the sugar daddy you've been looking for forever and ever and ever. It is a bureaucracy. Folks, I don't want to even tell you, but I know coaches that have won great slam, grand slams. Coaches have done remarkable things. We don't even use a Robert Lansdorp. The USTA doesn't even use Robert Lansdorp. And, and the talent code, I thought of his name because talent code quotes him in his last two chapters quite a bit. We don't even use Wayne Bryan. The USTA doesn't use our Pat Harrison or a Dennis Ralston. These people are been in the game forever, and they know the game and they love the game. And so they're not going to use Joe Blow from Kokomo, and they're not going to use, you know, Coach Randy. If you have five national champions, they're not going to say, wow, the guy's really got it together. Let's see what he knows. Because number two and three people are intimidated by strength. They're intimidated by those people, and they 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 believe that, you know, rubbing, rubbing uh, shoulders – with excellence makes them excellent as well, but but the dumb down is, is just beyond belief. And if you're just getting into it, and I had a lecture, I didn't lecture, but I talked to a young coach a couple of weeks ago, and the guy sort of was bugging out of something just because he was a little nervous about 
going forward with it, I said, look, it's not like you get brave 10 years from now and say, let's go because the golden handcuffs will come on and then you're afraid. And uh, we, we, we need to stand up, speak out, address issues, not people. I am addressing a lot this deep state coach. I want to find out who it is. And I want to have the deep state on here. You know, I, I would like to have a Billie Jean King on here. I would like to have a Dave Haggerty on here. I'd like to have these people, whether, you know, I, Tim Russell, uh, whoever the people in the deep state are, we need to get those people out there. And they need to at least stand up. And, uh, you know, the Tim Cass, if it's Tim Cass, I told Tim Cass about four years ago, if this thing falls on its face that you're doing and you're pushing so hard, you need to be able to stand up and take it and take credit or take the blame, whatever it is, because uh, that was the guy led the big charge there. But, guys, uh, whether if you know, look, if it turns out brilliant, good for you. I'll eat some crow. But it ain't going to. It just is not going to. There's no way that you can breed excellence this way. You only breed excellence by allowing the cream to rise and to lead and then chasing ex. Excellence will breed participation. Participation will not breed excellence. Coach, any other quick thoughts before we go here today? I I think you summed it up, and and I appreciate everything you do. I, I the the one thing that comes to to mind is every day in tennis I meet great people, and you mentioned a ton of great people that have come through and and done tremendous things in this sport, and there's there's more and more and more of those out there. I meet them before it happens a lot of times when they're young and in for those kids not to become great is just a travesty. And we have to keep fighting for this because they're, they're in our sport and we just have to, we have to find the right Avenue where this can continue to happen. Um, And thank you, coach. Thank you again. I can't thank you enough for what you do. And, and, and we have to, we have to get this thing right for the youth of America and the youth of our world, because uh, what what we're educating our kids to be is what they're going to become. Thank you. Coach, Coach, thanks. And all of you out there, comfort bears no fruit. Go out there and get it done. And I can't thank Coach uh, Blumadol enough. And, uh, folks, it is it is time to go. Golly, we didn't even get to our commercials today, but we got to go anyway. Made in America.
Dag gone. You know, comfort bears no fruit. Go out there and stand up, speak out. We this is the United States of America. Freedom. Freedom. Speak up. See you next week. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.